Well, good morning again, City Church. I'm going to step off here for just a moment so I can grab this giant podium. It's great to see you um, and to be with you this morning um, again online. Uh, we look forward and long for the day when we are able and uh, to see one another face to face. With that in mind, I'm going to share one um, brief announcement. I'm going to share some more at the end. So if you're one that likes to tune out as soon as Matt finishes that last song on Sunday mornings, stick around because we do have some information we want to share with you about our Easter week and Holy Week and the things that we're striving to do together as a church family. But this morning, just as I mentioned, so we can see one another, one of the things that we're going to ask that you would do is that you would take um, a family photo. Um, We're going to have on Saturday morning, our flower cross is going to be um, uh, out in the community right on Cardinal Drive. And we're going to ask that you stop by there and take a family photo and that you would share that with us. Um, You can do that via an email um, or connect at citychurchmelissa.com or you can tag uh, City Church Melissa on our Instagram or Facebook. We'll find it there. And uh, we would love to be able to see one another. And so we're going to do something special for next Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. But we need your photos. And uh, uh, we want to see you. So I know a couple weeks ago I said, hey, post a photo right now of you worshiping just to bring some gladness to my own heart. And you, many of you messaged me and said that you would never do that this early in the morning when you were still worshiping in your pajamas. Um, but uh, if you would oblige and do me uh, be the, the favor and uh, help us all, we want to see you. So make sure that you take a family photo, whether you do it on Saturday at our Flower Cross or some other time this week, take an Easter, Easter photo and, uh, and send it in to us. So with that, Um, Pastor Kyle read the story uh, from Luke chapter 19 of Palm Sunday of Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And on Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, or some 2,000 years ago approximately, he entered into this great city and people, as we heard, were ready to crown him as king. The people were um, ready to receive their promised Messiah. Um, And when uh, the Pharisees told him that he should uh, cause his people to be quiet, to not uh, pronounce him as king and to praise him. Um, he told them his answer, and I love this uh, verse from, uh, uh, from uh, Luke 19, verse 40. I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The stones would worship Jesus if we were to not worship him. And, uh, and so let that be a reminder to us that we should always be worshiping Jesus, um, because if not us, the stones would cry out, and it's our responsibility. We want to worship him for who he is. But this was something that had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament this, uh, in, in the story of him going to get the colt and all of the kind of uh, the circumstances around this episode were tied to this prophecy of Jesus coming in, the Messiah entering into God's city and being crowned as king. But it was also prophesied that Jesus would be crucified and would, so many would miss him. And so as we think about Palm Sunday, the promised Messiah coming in to set up his kingdom, to establish his kingdom, we also realize that the people would so quickly forget. Holy Week begins with shouts of praise and worship of Jesus, and it ends with shouts for a crucifixion. And so we remember and we begin our Holy Week this morning remembering the deliverance that we have in Christ. We have been delivered. If you were to read a little bit further there in Luke chapter 19, you would see that Jesus in verse 41 begins to weep over Jerusalem because they missed the reality of who he was. 
Again, fulfilling the prophecy, they would quickly begin to cry for him to be crucified. And there were so many in that city that were looking for a Messiah. And all that they had heard and seen Jesus do, they still denied that he was the Messiah. And how sad that is. And so Jesus himself was broken hearted over that reality. But as we think about this deliverance that we received from King Jesus... It takes us to Psalm 34, and we've been working our way through the book of Psalms over these last few weeks. Again, as I've shared, uh, I just see the Psalms speaking so clearly to the situation that we find ourselves in, where we are wondering what God is doing. We find, um, obviously, grief and hardships and so many challenges are all around us in the midst of this virus. And so in my own devotional time, just spending time in the Psalms has been encouraging. And so that's what's prompted us to pause from our studying the book of Ephesians, just to be encouraged uh, from the Psalms. And we're going to do that uh, just for a couple weeks longer, and then we are going to return to our study in Ephesians for those of you who've been looking forward to that. But Psalm 34 is also a psalm of deliverance. It's a psalm of, of David who had been delivered from death. Just as Messiah rode into Jerusalem, he rode into our lives and he set us free. By the way, kids, if you have your kids' worship guide, I think that's on your guide, that word free. That's the last free clue I'm going to give you, by the way, though. You've got to listen up and catch the rest of them on your own. But Messiah has set us free, and and this psalm is a psalm of David who had been set free, who had been delivered from imminent death. See, Psalm 34 was written by David after God had delivered him from the Philistine king. He wrote this psalm because he knew how close to death he had come. See, David had killed Goliath, many of us know, and then he had found himself, he was uh, set apart to be king, to replace Saul, and Saul gets angry at David, and so David flees, and so David is sort of wandering around um, and hiding from Saul and trying to just remain safe because he doesn't yet, God has not said yet that he should take the throne as king, even though he's been anointed as king. And so David in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 21 He finds himself in the presence of the king of the Philistines, the king of the Philistines who he had just killed, one of their best warriors. And it says in verses 10 through 14, I'll read this for you, and you can just make a note of it and come back to this story. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Ashish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Ashish said to him, Is this not David, king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Ashish, the king of Gath. He was afraid because he knew his identity had been revealed. And so it says following, so he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the floor of the door of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Ashish said to his servants, behold, you see, this man is mad when they have, uh, when, why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And he's asking these questions and he sends David out and David is delivered from that death. And so he writes this psalm. Now this psalm is also an acrostic. It is essentially, there's a verse for every letter of the Hebrew alphabet. We know our ABCs, and if we were to write a psalm, we would, or we were to write something like this psalm along these lines, we would have a verse that begins with A and begins with B. This in the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet. Each verse begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. 
And it's sort of as if David, after being delivered from this death, thought to himself, let me recount all the ways that God has been faithful to me. You know, that brings to mind families. What if we wrote some psalms this week as we pause for Holy Week, as we have a little extra time? If we went through every letter of the alphabet and said, let me write a sentence for every letter of the alphabet of the ways that God has been faithful to me. What a great exercise that would be. Write a psalm based on the alphabet this week. But David writes this psalm to praise God. Just as the people, as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, were shouting praises to God, David just praises God and worships God through this. And so I pray that as we work our way through this text, as we read Psalm 34, that our hearts would also just be prompted to worship God for who He is, worship Him for the deliverance that He has brought to us through our Savior Jesus. And so let's read this, and you can follow along with me from Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord, and He answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look at Him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him, and delivers them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of all of them. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Praise the Lord. As we return to verses 1 through 4, we can break this psalm up into sections. Many of your Bibles might have it broken up into these four-verse or three-verse sections. And this first section, it reminds us that there is nothing greater that we can do than to praise God. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Think of the energy that we spend on all of the different things that we do in life. The, the links that we go to, to accomplish whatever thing that we might be after. And then contrast that against the praise that we offer to God, the worship that we give to Him. It says our soul, in verse 2, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. 
How often I find that we boast in all of the things of this world and we forget to find our boast in Him. Because what that requires for us to boast in Jesus is for, as the psalmist says here, for our hearts to be humbled, for us to get low. And we're going to speak more about that in a moment. But we have to be humbled in order to allow the Lord to get high. And so we don't like to do that. I think of just even sporting events. Remember when we could gather for sporting events? I know, too soon. When we could gather together and the energy, that we, the shouts that we would offer, and how often it is that that's the energy and the, the way that we think of praising the Lord and blessing the Lord, allowing His praise to continually be in our mouths and in our hearts. And as it says in verse 3, to magnify Him to make His name great and allow our names to become less. We begin, and if you want to know the way to life, it's to fear the Lord, to understand who He is, and to exalt His name. So let us be a people that bless the Lord. As 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And sometimes we have to think about that. We have to think for a moment, how is it that I can praise God? How, how is it that I can worship God? How is it that I can exalt God and lift Him up in this circumstance? As we're walking the aisles and we see those two packs of toilet paper, perhaps we just take one, we grab the second, and we go find someone that might be in need of that. Let us glorify the Lord, even as we shop for toilet paper. I never thought I would say that sentence in my whole life. But that's what we're, where we're at. And we look for ways to glorify the Lord. And we let His praise to continually be on our mouth. You know, one of the things that we have to do, if that's going to be the case, our, our hearts and our minds need to be filled with the Word of God. If we're going to praise God, if we're going to magnify Him, we have to be filled with that. We aren't going to just sort of land there um, by circumstance. Again, I think of the sporting events, and if you come over to my house on a Sunday afternoon, typically in the fall, we pray by September, we'll be in this place, and you watch the Cowboys with me. My family, we're going to be shouting by name. Yes, the linemen that messed that up, we're going to shout his name because we know them. We've studied the team. We understand all of their faults that lead up to the top. Sorry. We know it. It's what, what, what fills your mind. Does God's Word fill your mind? Do the songs that we sing on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, do those fill our minds and our hearts so that we can bless the Lord? Does His Word come to mind in the circumstances that we find ourselves in so that we can praise Him in all things? David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. There's no gaps in that. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when we pause, maybe on Wednesday evenings, but blessing the Lord continually. And the reason that he blessed the Lord continually, the reason that he lived a life of worship and magnifying God was because he understood what he had been delivered from, which is verses 4 through 7. He says that he sought the Lord and he answered him and delivered him from all his fears. You know, we praise Him most, we praise Him best, I believe, when we're honest with ourselves and we recognize what it is that we've been delivered from. Repentance always precedes worship. We must repent and confess, I sought the Lord, He answered me, He delivered me from my fears. 
Verses 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. We have to acknowledge that we have been delivered. And I realize that in the midst of this crisis that we face this very moment, we might feel like that we are surrounded by troubles, which is why we remember God's faithfulness and we go back to the very beginning and we remember that it's through repentance and faith that we have been delivered from what? From death itself. Yes, this virus and many other things might be coming against us. Before this virus even came on the scene, you might have had sickness. You might have had marital troubles. You might have had job issues related to provision, all of these sorts of things. But if you are a Christian, you know that you have been delivered from death, the grip of death. And if so, what else could come against you? Yes, all of these things might come towards your life, might creep in. And one day this body will die. But I have already been delivered from death. I live in, as we say, the already but not yet. You know, Holy Week is one of these seasons where we remember that we have already been delivered. Something has already taken place in our life, but we are also, yes, waiting on the consummation of that for Jesus to return and take us home. But we magnify God. We can bless the Lord when we acknowledge that we have been delivered from death. And what does that mean? When I say that we've been delivered from death, I'd encourage you this week to go back and read Ephesians where we have been studying. Go back and read Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. Be reminded of the death that we deserve. And I'll summarize it in this way. God created each and every one of us to bring glory to His name. And because of sin... Sin entered the world, it entered into our own hearts, and we have all stumbled and fallen short of that calling. We have all sinned against God. We have lived lives that do not honor the Lord. And because of that being true, and not any one of us that is watching, there's no human being that has ever existed in the history of the world that could deny that fact. Because that is true, God would be just, and in His justice, He would judge that sin. And he would cast us out and we would be dead. As Ephesians says, we were dead in our trespasses. Even though we might be walking around in this life, we were dead men and women. But God, it says, being rich in mercy, he sent his son, Lord Jesus, that we celebrate his triumphant entry into Jerusalem this morning. He sent His Son and lived a perfect life, the only one that ever could live a perfect life, the only one who ever did. He lived that perfect life so that He could be the right sacrifice, a full sacrifice. See, if He had sinned, He would be due the judgment, the same judgment that you and I are due, but He didn't sin. And so when He laid down His life willingly on that cross, which we will see on Good Friday of this week, When he laid down his life, he was the proper and the full and complete once and for all final sacrifice for all sin for all time. And so when he took that judgment upon, when he took God's wrath that was due to me because of my sin, I was delivered from death. And he took up his life again that first Easter Sunday morning, conquering sin and death for all time. 
And so now, anyone who would acknowledge and repent, confess, yes, Lord God, I have sinned against you. I have nothing before you. I am nothing before you. I, you owe me nothing but judgment. But I believe that Jesus was the once and for all final payment of that judgment when he laid down his life on the cross for me. When I put my faith in him, I am delivered once and for all. What an amazing reality that is. That we have been delivered from death, friends. And when we remember that, when we acknowledge that we have been delivered from death, even though we walk around and we see all of the troubles and the trials, we can have hope. Our hearts are lifted. And guess what we respond with? I bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. I boast in Him. Did you hear in that story? That was my story. I didn't make any boast. There was nothing that said that Ryan had it sort of figured out. Ryan was sort of doing okay. Ryan kind of had it maybe halfway there. No, everything was, I, I had nothing before God. God owed me nothing but his right judgment. And yet, being rich in mercy, Jesus laid down his life for me and delivered me from death. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I look to him, and because of him I am radiant, and my face shall never be ashamed. I was a poor man, I cried, and the Lord heard me, and he saved me out of all my troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around me, because I fear him, and he has delivered me. I praise him for his deliverance. And so, David Acknowledging the deliverance from death that he had experienced, he exhorts even his own heart and exhorts us all, beginning in verse 8, to taste and see that the Lord is good. To see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We don't have to feel like because we take refuge in God that we are weaker or less than. No, we are the blessed that can take refuge in him. We studied Psalm 91 last week. Go back and listen to that, watch it, reread it, just ponder Psalm 91 and the fact that under the shadow of God's wings, we take refuge in Him. He covers us. And how does He cover us? He covers us with the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I plead with you, friends, if you've struggled to repent, to confess your need for a Savior, your need for deliverance, please taste and see that God is good. You will not want, after following Him, after putting your faith in Him, we have everything that we need in Christ alone. Everything that we need, we have in Him So yes, so many things in this season of life have been stripped away from us. We feel we're not able to go outside as often as we wanted to. We can't go to the jobs that we would enjoy being present with. We can't gather together and worship physically like we would desire. But we have the Lord. We have everything that we need. David, in this moment, when he's writing this psalm, has fled from the king and is in hiding in a cave more than likely, by himself, all alone. But he realizes and he acknowledges in his heart, and the reason that he magnifies the Lord over and over and over again is because he realizes that he has everything he needs in Christ. 
There was a book written, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You could go and study the book of Galatians and just see that sort of truth kind of pushed out. It's just all about our faith in Christ, and in Christ we have all that we need. Do you realize that? Examine your life. Again, as we talked about just a few weeks ago, all those things that have been taken away, have those been the things that you need? Have you staked your life, your joy, your happiness, your hope to those things? We've already seen they are temporal. A virus can cause them to go away. What would death do to them? They are going to fade and they will become nothing. But Jesus is the one who will last forever. And in Christ, we have all that we need. Some of you know that I'm a foodie. I love restaurants. I love good restaurants. Let me clarify that moment. Not all restaurants fall in that category. Sorry to a few of you. But I love good food. And if you're with me, if, you, if we go out to eat, you're going to know that I'm going to probably point you in the right direction. Some of my friends just get a little bit um, um, discouraged because I don't let them often choose where we eat. I, I, I do that for them. Um, in our, our team meetings on Monday mornings where Kyle, Matt, and our team, we go to lunch. And, uh, and, and so that's a, kind of a running joke that they, they ask me if I've received a word from the Spirit as to where we're going to go eat because I, I like good food. I know, I know you can see that right now on camera, and I apologize for that. But... We point people to our favorite restaurants, to our favorite foods, to all these things. As we bless the Lord, as we magnify His name, as we boast in the Lord and not in ourselves, we say to the world, look, taste and see the Lord is good. Look to Him. Bless Him. You will find your hope in Him. Please, friends, if you do not know the refuge of God, Taste and see this morning that he is good. Verse 11, David turns to the way that we come to God. And he says, come, O you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Teach you the fear of the Lord. You know, we come to God, as I just described and shared the gospel message with you, I came to the Lord like a child. I was not a child, but I come to the Lord like a child, lowly and humble. We should all approach the Lord with humility and acknowledge that His ways are higher than our ways. Allow Him to teach us and instruct our hearts. He asked the question, What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good And then he gives the answer to that. If we want to have and see good, that we should keep our tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Verse 14, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Come like children, lowly and humble before the Lord. Allow him to teach you. And no, those are not a list of things that we do in order to earn God's favor. Again, if you go back to that gospel story that I just shared with you a few moments ago, I didn't say that I cleaned up my mouth, I started pursuing evil and, or, 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 or getting away from evil and pursuing good. That wasn't the way to make my way to the Lord, but it's in response to what God has done in my life, the fact that I know that He has delivered me from death. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that I come to Him daily and I say, teach me, Lord. Again, ask yourself the question, do you struggle? 
to find time in your day to spend with the Lord? Does it, is, is your quiet time, is time in God's Word and time praising Him just privately even on your own through song or whatever other means, through prayer, does that something that you, you shove to the back side of your day and maybe often forget it? Be reminded, friends, of who God is and what He has delivered us from. And through that, let us come to Him like a child. You know, my children, when they were younger, and even still, they do ask for food. That's about all they ask for. But when they were younger, they asked for other things. And it was almost as if because they knew, they knew that I fed them, that we provided food, we gave them safety and all of those sorts of things, that they could ask for all these other things. Because they knew that, that, that mom and dad were good and for them, that they could have, you know, they could ask us, can we go here? Can we do this? Can I have this toy? It was rooted in what we had done previously. How much more has God done for us in delivering us from death? And so like children, let us run to him to get instruction, to know how it is that we should live our lives, to ask him for help. And we should put that time with the Lord as the priority above everything else. I'll get this quote a little bit mixed up, but I remember it often. I believe it was Luther who said that he had so much to do in his day that he had to begin his day spending at least three hours in prayer. I know that sounds completely just crazy to us. I've got so much going on that I must begin my day spending hours in prayer. And I might be misattributing that quote, but it's one that just sticks in my mind. Do we spend that much time pursuing the Lord? Does pursuit of the Lord drive us, shape our day? Is our calendar directed and sort of oriented around God? Again, one of the gifts of this virus is that we have no calendars. We've joked that the days of the week are today, yesterday, and tomorrow. But because of that, we have no calendars. That means that we can fill our time almost for most of us, much however we desire. Have you allowed this time? Have you just saying, okay, God is doing good through this, what the enemy meant for evil. I'm going to see how God is using it for good. And I'm going to reorient my daily schedule around this time that I could spend with the Lord, that I could come to him like a child, humble and lowly. And just hear what he has to say. Remember that I'm not in control, that I am not the sovereign of the universe, but he is. David closes this psalm with two passages, two sections about afflictions. And the first, he reminds us that the eyes of the Lord in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. You know, one of the things that we struggle to realize is that the word is true. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We feel like we need to deal with the evil of this world. It is our responsibility. Sometimes we think in our minds to judge evil, to handle it to come against it and stand against it. And there are times when we are called to stand up and stand firm for the word of God, for the truth of God, for those types of things. But what we need to remember most is that the eyes of the Lord are on us and he sees good and evil and he sees it in a way that we have no possibility of seeing it. He also sees us as righteous. He says the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. 
that he sees us. And when I think of that, I just remember when it, when it says righteous, do you know why we are called righteous? How we could ever even be considered righteous? It's because of that gospel message that I shared with you a few moments ago, that when Christ died for us, he took on God's wrath and then took his life up again. When we put our faith in him, the Bible says that we are declared as righteous. We are counted as righteous for he who knew no sin was considered sin, was called sin, so that in him, so that in Christ, we might be called the righteousness of God. Even that righteousness that we have, that now he says, because of that righteousness that I gave to you, I hear you, I see you, I am with you, we can remember that that righteousness allows us to cry out to God. And when the righteous, in verse 17, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Not earthly troubles always, but the ultimate trouble. We will be delivered from death, through death, to be with Him. And the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to us. He hears our cries and we can trust that evil will not win. Evil will not win. We have assurance of that. We know that we know that we know that we know that evil will not win. So when we come face to face with evil, with a virus, with brokenness, with whatever else might come against us, we don't have to feel like it's our battle. The battle is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours. We can give it to Him. We can trust that it is His And we can know that He will deal rightly with all things. All things will be dealt with. I've said this many times before, but when we get to heaven, I love this truth. And it just, again, like the quote that I shared earlier, it just sort of sticks in my mind. We will look at all that God has done and we will say, you did it perfectly. We might not understand things right now. We don't understand. I can't begin to tell you why This virus is causing and wreaking havoc on the world. But I know this. God is good. He will see us through it all. He is doing good in the midst of it all. And it will not win. Those things are true. I hold on to those. So when I don't understand, I have questions, I hold on to those truths. And that's how David closes this psalm. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. We will be afflicted. But the, Lord, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He shall keep his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servant. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. What is meant for evil, God uses for our good. There will be condemnation of evil. But for those of us found in Christ, there is now therefore no condemnation. We have hope. We have peace because of the Lord. If you've never believed, put your faith in that Jesus that I described that laid down his life for the sins that you have committed that separate you right now from God, Dear friends, this morning, taste and see that the Lord is good. Brother and sister Christians, if you found yourself 
worrying about what God is, uh, is up to and, and, and considering and, and wondering, has he forgotten you? Has, uh, have you? Are you lost and just kind of separated from him? Remember his faithfulness. Remember that he will see us through and he has delivered you from death. What else could come against you? As the great John Piper says, what more can they do to us but kill us? As the Apostle Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're going to sing that song this morning. And I pray, friends, as we begin to sing this psalm, written of the words of this psalm, I encourage you, if you've been sitting on the couch right now as Matt's walking up, get off the couch, stand up as a family, as an individual, wherever you are, stand up and worship Jesus. Let's magnify His name. And throughout the rest of this week and every day of our lives, let us be a people that say, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So Matt, lead us. Let's sing. I saw
pray. Father God, we do magnify your name. We strive to bring glory and honor to you and to you alone. I pray that as your people, that we would, your praise would be on our lips every moment of every day. That we would point a lost and dying world to you, that they might see that you are good. And I pray for any soul that has doubts or questions that might be hearing these words of mine. Holy Spirit, move. Allow them to taste and see that the Lord is good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.